0: What? <laughs> everyone welcome back to the entry-level podcast where we talk all things entry-level with our last few episodes focusing on some of the changes that we are seeing as the world moves through this coronavirus pandemic today's guests could not come at a better time we have with us today Michael Dietrich Chastain. Michael is a leader in the field of personal and professional change. He's a speaker, executive coach, trainer, and founder of ARC Integrated, a practice that helps executives and ambitious individuals around the world focus on developing their emotional intelligence, leadership, and communication. So while these skills are incredibly important as a leader, the ability to manage change has really never felt more relevant for any of us, I think. And so we're going to spend some time today talking about the methods that that Michael discusses in his new book called Changes and what we can do to better manage stress, adapt to this new world that we're all in and not lose sight of our goals and and everything that we're working towards during this time period. So welcome to the show, Michael. We're excited to have you on. Welcome.
1: Thanks so much. It's great to be here.
0: Awesome. Yes. And so like I said, we're in a time of profound change right now. And as the entire world is kind of being asked to flip our lives upside down in a lot of ways, this is going to lead a lot of us to to kind of question many aspects of our lives as we come out of this. So I'm curious what, what drew you to be really interested in this idea of change and change management and how this has become such a big aspect of your career.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my whole career has been spent in human development in some capacity. And so uh, now I have a leadership development consultancy, as you mentioned, and we work with teams and leaders all over, helping them improve skills like emotional intelligence and peak performance within a human system of a business. And, you know, but before that, I worked in the mental health field for a number of years as a psychotherapist and worked with clients really across the gamut, from those that were barely getting their human needs met, to folks going through kind of regular transition, like changing jobs, or birth of a child, or death, or separation, or, you know, fill in the blank, uh, to those that were, you know, very successful, uh, you know, maybe, maybe working on developing a business, or developing peak performing team or leadership. And so, all that to say, I've seen human change exist in so many different ways over the course of my career am I'm, I'm fascinated by it and, and particularly because of the commonalities that I believe that it has and you know the other reason is because I also believe that you know change is really the only thing that we can count on and you know highlighted right now based on what the world's going through but You know the reality is even times outside of crisis like we're currently in, um, we're always managing change. And in my opinion, that's the skill set that we need the most: is to get better at understanding how to navigate change.
2: Wait, and Michael, it's it's funny that you know, not funny listening, but listening to you talk. So many times at companies I've worked for, whenever there's a big massive layoff or there's a big reorg and people are doing different jobs, I feel like I always get a lecture from you know, a speaker, they do like the, the five stages of change, you know, like mm, it's like grief and then acceptance. It's almost like <laughs> the five stages of death. So I'm just curious, uh-huh. what, what do you, the most of the time when you're helping people, you know, with these life changes, what do you think are real, like what's their trigger? Like what's the hardest thing that they're dealing with as the change goes on?
1: Yeah, I love that question. So, so a couple differentiators. So that model that you just mentioned um, comes from a model of the stages of death right? Yeah. Which, which you could apply to change, certainly. And I think it more appropriately fits in the bucket of death. And again, that's that's just my opinion based on my experience. But when you think about change, there's the way to approach it in like, how do we emotionally respond to it? And what are the stages of emotions that we might go through, right? Like you mentioned, there's, there's grief, there's acceptance, there's anger. There are these anger, various yeah. kind of emotional things, right?
2: Like, isn't there one bargaining? I wish I could, yep. I wish I had my book right here because I've yep. gone through it like three times.
1: Yeah, Kubler-Ross is the name of the person that um, uh, developed those stages if anybody's interested in checking her out. But so that's one way to think about it. In in my opinion, though, you know, change is really about navigating what are the major influencers of our lived experience mm-hmm. that make us either successful at managing change or not successful. And in my experience, there are seven very clear predictors of that ability.
2: What are they? <laughs> I'm interested.
1: <laughs> are you interested yet? I very
0: much. <laughs> I'm, I'm like I think, I, I, think I'm I know. Notes.
1: You think you know?
0: It, well, it's based on the acronym of your book, right? Changes? Is that Yeah, yeah. I'll, ah. I'll tee you up a little bit. I'll tee you up a little bit there. I'll let you explain. That's right.
1: So yeah, so the, so Changes is the title of the book and it's also an acronym for these seven principles. But I, I always like to preface this by saying that, you know, I what I didn't do was think, what's a cool acronym that I could come up with that would be relevant for people? <laughs> <laughs> right? I didn't I didn't do that what I did do was look at all the thousands and thousands of clients I've worked with over the years and evaluate those stories combined with all the research about change and ask myself, what are the common themes that exist? And after I landed on kind of like seven words that weren't the acronym, I then asked the question, well, wouldn't it be cool if there was an acronym for these seven principles, and that's how the name changes came about. So it was a little bit of a reverse engineering, if that makes sense.
2: Interesting.
0: No, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so yeah. can you
0: can you talk us through what some of those are? We don't have to go into all seven in detail, but a, you sure. know, kind of a snapshot of of what those are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there, and I'll I'll do them in order. So uh, cognition is the way that we think. So what we tend to focus on, and that could be you know the the, the typical kind of. Statement of are you a glass half full or glass half empty oh, yeah. kind of kind of person? Right, um, there's actually a lot of science behind that. That you know the, those of us that hold opportunity and um, you know imagining what's possible in our minds actually are able to arrive at more creative solutions uh, more easily and uh, in a more robust way. And so there's some there's some science behind where we tend to focus. So that's the first one. Uh, the second one is heart, which is our emotional self. And so how much are we either ignoring our emotional state or giving it the, the attention that it needs? And then A is action. So what are the habits and routines? And that could, that could be in the context of like our daily routine. It could be in the context of, you know, our weekly, monthly, even yearly routines. Like what are our general habits? Um, the next is nourishment. And that's all about our physical experience, which, you know, everybody knows, like, eat healthy, get sleep, and exercise, right? I'm sure you guys have heard that a million times on your podcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's one of the categories. And the reason everybody's heard of it so much is because it, there's just so much science behind it. There's so much science behind how those three elements of our physical experience impact everything from problem solving to stress to relationships to conflict and fill in the blank. So that's, that's N. And then, um, g is guts which is all about courage and so if you think of i'm sure everybody that's listening can think of a time when they knew what they should do in any particular situation but didn't have the courage to act and that could be in the context of you know applying for a new job or leaving a toxic relationship or having a hard conversation or having the courage to to move to a different place right like there's always always these things in our life that we know the answer, but we don't have the courage. So that's, that's guts. And then environment is the people, places, and things we surround ourselves with. And that could be, you know, not only, not only like our, our, like, you know, the five people that we spend the most time with, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard that quote before, or the average of the five people we spend the most time with. But in addition to that, like our communities and our workplaces and the cities that we live in and where we spend our time online, all of these things influence our ability to manage and uh, successfully work through change. And then finally, the last one is spirit, which is our belief systems. The big ones, the little ones, the, the answers and questions around like, where did we come from as human beings? Where are we going when we die? Those are big beliefs. And then, this, and then they, I say small, they're not really small, but the, the beliefs about what is possible within my human experience? What am I capable of? That's also a belief system. I feel like you you take
2: a much, you take a much more, um, I don't want to say like spiritual, like look on this, but just more, I feel like you take definitely more of a broad interpretation of, you know, instead of just being like anger, fear, like I like the way Mm -hmm. that you, I like the way that you laid all that out, um, just because there's no. So many people, a lot of the, I think that a lot of the way people process and deal with things is how they were raised and what they believe in. So I, you know, yeah. I like the way that you incorporated that into your, into your principles.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Yeah. And I, you know, I think in my experience, it's, it's really about looking at which of these principles are you know, our strengths that I already have. So, so for instance, it might be that, you know, for any given person, their, their belief systems are really strong. Like they have really positive, supportive belief systems, but maybe it's that their courage is lacking, or maybe it's Mm -hmm. that their emotional self is ignored or, or fill in the blank. And what, what I think is true is that, you know, for all of us, it's going to be a different combination of the principles that need our attention and those that we already have strengths in.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, as as you were going through that, there were some where I'm like, okay, you know, like nourishment, I feel like I do a good job of going to the gym and eating well. And, you know, when it comes to uh, like constant I guess improvement in different areas. I'm like, okay, I think I, I do that well. And then there are certain ones you hit on where I was like, Wow, that's the one mm. or that's the yeah. two that always yep. hold me back. Like I can recognize myself and how you were describing some of those things. And I think cool. from what you're saying, you probably you probably see that a lot with people, like what really what what some people really, really struggle with maybe a strength for others and vice versa. And it's it's yeah. just important to understand not just your strengths, but also maybe what's holding you back? Because it sounds like while these things are all unique in a lot of ways, they're also probably very intertwined in a lot of ways. Like if Mm -hmm. you, you know, you can be taking care of yourself physically, but if emotionally you're not doing well because of certain aspects of your life, that's going to eventually play into that too and, and kind of hold you back collectively. So would you say that, you really need to spend time in all of these categories and that you can't just, you know, sometimes you hear focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses. Do you think Mm -hmm. that that applies here too?
1: Mm. Yeah. So I I would say a few things to that, Sarah, I I, I totally agree that, and, and you're, you're, you're really hitting it well, which is in this integration of aspects is such a crucial component to remember that we can't, We can't live siloed, right? Meaning that, you know, we have these various parts of our lived experience, but they exist in constant influence of each other. And so I think one of the traps we can get into as human beings is thinking that like, well, I'm, I'm making good money and I'm going to the gym every day and I'm feeling, you know, feeling really good and I'm successful, you know, quote unquote. Um, but there's there's going to be one or two of these principles that are being ignored and over time that'll undermine and corrode the rest of our lived experience, right? And so I think, you know, there's really there's really no escaping these principles in my in my opinion, like it, they'll they'll eventually reveal themselves because of their consistent influence on one another. Um, and you know, on your question about strengths, I, I I love that, and I'm a big believer in focusing on what are the strengths that we have and how can we nurture those. I think the way to take that framework of strengths focus and apply it to an area that might need. Like some additional attention is to shift the question. So I really believe that you know the questions that we ask ourselves influence the results that we get in, in any domain, whether it be relationship or work or fitness or fill in the blank. And so so it might be, you know, like take take uh take the courage dimension, for instance, the guts, right? So, you know, if that was a weakness for me, I might ask myself, you know, one one question could be, well, you know, I, I'm really weak in this context of courage, and you know, I don't know what to do about it, but I know that it's a weakness, and I know I need to do something. So instead of asking that question, asking a strengths-based question, what which, which could be, what might like what might exceptional courage look like in my life, right? Or another question could be, in five years from now, what would tell me that I've 10x the level of courage that I currently have. So just that just that flip in questioning, you're still you're still not ignoring the weakness that you have, but you're placing a strength-based lens upon an area for development. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And I think um I think similarly there are times when I'm afraid of something or I fear taking action. And I have to sit back and say, okay. You know, a month from now, what will make me feel more proud or what will make me happier? Is it that I didn't take an action here because I was afraid or I didn't want to face the repercussions, or will I be proud that I did, even though it might suck, you know, afterwards for a little while or, you know, whatever it might be, whether it's ending a relationship or changing a certain aspect of your life? I think that can be very scary. And sometimes there's comfort in just staying safe for a little while, but then. Mm. How, like, at what point does that imbalance start to push you to the other side? You know, at first, you know, you put it off for a little while because, well, the fear isn't really, the fear is still high enough and you haven't really seen the negative repercussions of not acting. But then I think mm-hmm. as time goes on, the negative repercussions of not acting, whether it's like emotionally or physically or whatever, start to kind of outweigh. The fear, right? And so I think, at least in my experience. I almost wait until the negative repercussions of not acting are high enough. And that's probably not the right way to do it, right? Because then you just sit in that anxiety for way longer than you probably should. But
1: well, yeah. maybe
0: you want to do that, I don't know.
1: It's so hard. I mean, I, I totally agree. I certainly do that too. I mean, I think, you know, pain, <laughs> pain and suffering are a hell of a motivators, right? And it's like, and I think that's the nature for all of us that, you know, sometimes it requires a certain amount of pressure, in order to create that motivation to change. And I, and I think we've all absolutely been there at various times.
2: I wrote, well, I, I took a little note on something you said too. You were talking about how your personality is kind of the five people that you've been around
1: mm. Oh and, yeah, and yeah, how you,
2: and how you work that into one of, into one of your principles. And I never really <laughs> thought of it that way, but I agree with you. Like, I think it kind of like shocked me a little just because I wasn't expecting you to say that. But oh. when you really think about it, like, you know, so I'm a account executive. So I talk to all different, you know, clients, all different types of people all the time. But, you know, with that said, you know, when I'm really busy at work and you know, we're in normal times, like I usually am around, you know, the same people at work, you know, and then the same friends that I keep up with during the week when it's really busy or on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like I'm questioning, you know, I'm thinking about that in terms of accepting change because when you're like, you know, I'll just use this a simple example. Like when you're in a group chat, you know, if you're in a group chat with 10 of your friends and you're a lot different and you react and handle things differently than a lot of other people do, like mm-hmm. it can rub off on you a little bit, you know, and you kind of, totally. I feel like I get like that too, where, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, it's like too much to say and you know, you don't always need to like make a comment, right? Like you don't always have to, when I think about it, I do feel like sometimes you're a creature of your, you know, where you're at. And so my question for that is how do you, how would you coach someone, you know, who's maybe, you know, going through changes, but you know, some of the, like you said, some of the groups they're in or whatever are kind of taking a negative turn. What are some Mm. of your recommendations and, and do you see that? Like, do you Oh see
1: yeah, I love it. That I, love this que- I love this question. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, so, it
2: took me a while to get there because I didn't exactly know how to ask it. But
1: No, it's a, it's a great question, Lindsay. I, so I, I, a number of things come to mind. So first, I would say, to just to circle back to the quote, this is a Jim Rohn quote for anybody who wants to look it up. Oh it's,
2: yeah, my dad's a big fan.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. So the quote is, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So, So the first thing I might do is people's question to that might be, well, that's not really true. Or how true is that really? Or whatever. So for anybody that has any doubt about the, like the gravity of that quote, I would, I would invite anyone to test it. And so, and I'm going to give you an example of how to do that. And so you asked like, how would I coach someone through this? So that would be the first thing I would invite them to do is, well, let's test it. And there's a number of ways to test it, which are first outline metrics in which you'd like to test it. Right? So the metrics could be financial income. It could be health. It could be belief systems. It could be, when I say health, I meant physical health, but you could say relationship health would be another metric. So let's just take those four metrics, right? So we've got financial, we've got physical health, we've got emotional health or relationship health. And, um, the fourth one was, uh, well, we'll skip the fourth one. So you take these metrics and you think about what is what are really the averages of the people that I'm around the most, right? So it's easy for us to say, okay, the five people I'm around the most, you could easily come up with that list. And then you take that and you compare it to what's the average financial health in that group? What's the average relationship health? What's the average physical health? And I can almost guarantee that what you'll discover is that you are that average, right? You're more or less that average. For first, I would offer people the invitation to do that. And then secondly, I would ask them how much of that average is consistent with your ideal life, hmm, right? Meaning, I
2: love that. That's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Meaning, meaning that if there's any inconsistency there, then to me, there's both the biggest opportunity and the biggest risk, right? So what might come about is the realization that, wow, I'm hanging out with people that don't share my belief systems. They are unhealthy. They are, you know, they're negative. They're not making the kind of money I want to make. Whatever your goals are, there's no, there's really no right or wrong to whatever your goals are. If you want to be an Olympic athlete or a bazillionaire or have the, you know, the best love of your life, whatever your goals are, great. My question would be How consistent are those goals with the folks that you're surrounding yourselves with? Yeah. The, that's ahead. interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, cor- finish your thought.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, of course, the opportunity there is well, maybe I need to shift the people that I'm choosing to be around the most. Of course, that's a big ask. Like for a lot of people, that might mean, you know, gosh, I've had this friend for a couple decades, and it turns out that we're going in different directions in life, and I really need to cut ties. And so then the question is, if someone really wants to take that bold move, back to your question about how would you coach them through it, you know, it might be discussions around how do you make different choices around how you're spending your time in the environments that you're choosing while, you know, being empathetic and respectful and, you know, loving to those that you maybe you're choosing to cut ties with. And so that's, that's a short answer, I guess.
2: That's a good answer. I've, I've never thought of it that way, but I think you're absolutely right. I
0: think think back and I used to tell like the story of when I was like a kid growing up, like kind of poor in Vermont. And, uh, you know, I would never, I guess there was like a certain type of people that I was expected to hang out with because I was like a poor kid, you know, and I always kind of. I just never was, I never had that mentality about life. It was always like, well, no, I'm always, I want to hang out with the people who are like me, like the people who think like me, who I want to be like. And so I hung out with those types of people. And so I think in a lot of ways, I I kind of not knowing the concept behind it, of course, have kind of done that throughout my life. And I, I honestly, I attribute a lot of my success in life to the fact that I never I never did what I was necessarily supposed to do, like stay with the people like me. I I always strive to surround myself with people that I respected or that I idolized in some way or wanted to be more like. And so I think that's a concept that it really, you don't recognize the value of that in in your own growth until you do exactly what you just recommended, which is like Mm -hmm. you start to look around and say, You know, and not in a bad way necessarily. I mean, there's anything Mm -hmm. wrong with those people, but I think I think it's a matter of what do you want in life, and what some people are really happy with. Maybe you're not happy with that, or maybe you want something different. You know?
1: Yeah, you bring up a really important point, Sarah, and I and I totally agree. Like, in my opinion, it's really important not to have any kind of judgment, right, in in regards to who we're spending time with, because. To your point, it's it's not like the, it's not like they're bad people necessarily. To me, it's just about is is there congruency congruency between those that we're choosing to be around and what it is that we truly want out of life, mm-hmm. right? So it's not right. ne- so it's ne- it's neither good nor bad, and I think that's a that's an important perspective to hold.
2: Yeah, no, I and I also think it's important, and I've been trying to figure out a way to do an episode on this. So Sarah already knows this, but it almost like it goes into that whole thing about the fade like you know there are people that you should always basically you should always be reassessing exactly what you said like you know those people that you're around is that really where you want to be and are you you know below or above those averages but it's almost it reminds me of the whole concept of the fade where you know maybe sarah to your point like a time in your life like you needed those friends back you know when you were growing up and figuring things out and maybe like you lose contact with them but you know they were there for a very important part of your life but you're reassessing kind of your goals and where you want now and maybe they just don't unfortunately don't fit in it's not anyone's fault it just happens right and it mm-hmm. and kind of going into that principle that you just talked about like i think it's important one thing that i don't do a good job of and i joke about it every year but i i mean i don't obviously do this but you know i i tend to kind of beat myself up over trying to keep in touch with as many people as possible when really is probably causing me more like mental, you know, strain than it's worth sometimes Um, and feeling stressed out about having to go places. And, you know, I, I, I said no to the first wedding I've ever said no to this year. Um, Mm. And so I I just think what you're saying really makes sense, especially kind of where I am, you know, in my life. So I think, I just think it makes a lot of sense. That yeah. was just a comment, but yeah, I agree with what you're saying.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think you know, there's a there's a kind of a, like an underlying principle with this too, which which is the the concept of of impermanence, right? And I and I think as as human beings, like the the more comfortable we can be with the fact that that's what we have to deal with is impermanence, that things are going to shift and change and grow, and that our attempts to like maintain and maintain lives yeah. without change are, are really for not like there's it's not possible and so I think that that again to circle back to change like that skill set of knowing that things are going to constantly be in flux and that things are going to evolve and change over time um, if we can embrace that not in a dismissive way but in an opportunistic way mm-hmm. um, I think that that skill rolls into our ability to do this regular evaluation of you know what are the people, places, and things I'm surrounding myself with, and how is that influencing my ideal life?
2: yeah, no, I think i this is like you've really hit on a, a lot of points um, but I don't want to end i I don't want to end this episode without asking your opinion, and I know Sarah, you probably have a couple of questions for him as well with everything going on right now, and people's lives you know changing very quickly and and not let's be honest not their fault you know mm. what what do you think and just from what you do from a living and how you coach people? like, what do you just think about what's been going on? Like, you know, do you have anything like advice you've been recommending to people? Like, have you spoken with, you know, or worked with people that are kind of having a hard time with this change in the last couple of weeks? Or I'm, I'm just really curious, you know, what you think of everything going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I guess the first thing I would say is you know i think the best thing we can all do is have deep levels of empathy for each other and our and ourselves and you know the the reality is is that we i think as a you could even say maybe as a planet we have not experienced this kind of like Global change in such a drastic way, um, so we're we're kind of in new territory a little bit, which is on a lot of fronts really scary and unpredictable. And um, so I think I think that's you know that's a lot of the conversations I'm having with clients and with colleagues and you know with folks that were you know potential clients is this this opportunity for empathy. Um, some other themes that are coming up in a lot of the conversations I've had in the last few weeks are using maybe not using this as an opportunity, but seeing the chance to create greater levels of community through this kind of uncertain time that we're in. And so, you know, a lot of that means figuring out how to navigate the digital platforms that exist and connecting more there and sharing more. You know, another theme that comes up is moving into like a, like a giving economy, meaning that, you know, no matter what we're doing, you know, we all have skill sets and gifts And so the questions, you know, that, that we might ask ourselves are how can I during this time give more freely to others? Um, because you know, there's a lot of people that, that have less, and there's a lot of people yeah. that are that are struggling right now And so how can we see this as an opportunity to give
0: yeah and, so, yeah. and i think we're seeing we're seeing so much of that and it's really inspiring to me i think yeah. I, I mean seeing how people are coming together in a time where there's so much uncertainty there's you know some people who are lucky in the sense that you know their jobs are secure right now and then there's some people who are facing layoffs already, or major life changes because of the the forced kind of shelter in place or lockdown. Mm-hmm. And and there's just so much uncertainty about how long this will last. That I think you know it's inspiring to see people coming together. And and the words you use around community and empathy and giving back. I like guess someone I work in marketing, and that's been our mandate. It's not about selling products right now. It's about how do we talk about ways that our companies can give back right now. This isn't about us anymore. It's about community. It's about sharing. It's about making sure that the people that rely on us every day feel like they can still rely on us and that we'll be there for them. I'm seeing so many examples of companies that are really stepping up and, at this point to help however they can, that we Lindsay and I recently talked to actually um, a general manager of a bar here in Boston who had to shut down because mm-hmm. of all of this. And she was sharing some of the things that she's doing to take care of her staff and, and really seeing how you're going to see a difference in leadership during this time and how that will be very mm-hmm. eye-opening, I think, for a lot of people and seeing how their leaders handle this situation? Mm -hmm. Will they handle it? I saw something on Twitter today of of a boss who like sent a stern letter to a single dad because he wasn't as readily available as he should be or something like that. When Mm -hmm. this poor guy is just trying to be like dad and work and manage care for his child all Mm -hmm. at the same time unexpectedly. And I think It's just a time where the whole world is being forced into this form of change for a Mm -hmm. a time period. We all need to come together to help each other through this. And I think it's unprecedented in our lifetimes to see it. And Mm -hmm. from someone who has like a little, I'm a little nerdy when it comes to psych stuff. Like I'm finding a lot of it very fascinating. And it sounds like this type of, this example will probably be something that you talk about for a while in your work Mm -hmm. and how how people have handled it. And so it's cool to see for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, this it, it might sound, what I'm about to say might sound like kind of a funny statement, but you know, all those examples that you just provided, Sarah. You know, I think there's a lot of beauty in what we're dealing with, and you know, again, that might sound unusual because there's also a lot of death and pain and suffering, and I also think that both of those things can exist. Uh-huh. Right, we can have one and, and the other, and so. You know, that's I guess that's the other opportunity is to is to see all of this beauty that's emerging in the context of community and coming yep. together and support and giving and love and so I just you know I think I think that's the and place to look.
2: If you and I'm a little bit of a history junkie, um, and if you think about it, every major event, every you know, like war, different things, like the world changes after new policies are put in place, new world order. Like, think about it. Like, mm-hmm. are we going to be shaking hands? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, no, but seriously, yeah. like yeah. Yeah. after this, yeah. like, is it going to be, is that going to be the socially acceptable thing to do is shake hands is yeah. like, you yeah. know, our employers going to think now, whoa, maybe I don't need to spend all this rent on an expensive office building mm-hmm. in downtown mm-hmm. Boston. Like, should we do more virtual? Like I don't know. I just yeah. We don't totally. know what the changes will be probably for a while. Yeah. But we'll look. You know, when we're all a lot older. We'll probably look back and be Sarah and I were joking about talking to our nieces, nieces and nephews about it and being like, "Yeah, this is why we do this." You know what I mean? Like yeah, we could actually yeah, totally. like talk about it. Um, yep. But Michael, so I want to make sure before we wrap here because sure. you've you've shared a ton of good information. Like I definitely very eye opening, and I love you know, to have, we, I know Sarah would too, to have you on again and talk about some of this stuff. But what's next for you? You know, where can people find you? How can we help you get, you know, your story out and what you're doing?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Um, so people can find me at arcintegrated.com, which is our, our company's website, arcintegrated.com. And, um, you know, in this in this nature of of giving and creating value, there's a number of things I'm working on which I can share with this community we're giving away a, basically like a bundle of goodies. And so if you go to thechangesbook.com, you can download a whole bunch of stuff and I'll, I'll rattle it off real quick. You'll get the full audio book for free. You'll get chapter one in the digital format. You'll get a workbook. And so a lot of what we talked about today, You know, the real question is like, how does how does this stuff get operationalized? Like how do you take some of these concepts and really put them into Behaviors with accountability to ensure that you know you're you're making sustainable change, and so people have access to a workbook that outlines all sorts of activities within each of the seven principles. And um, the last thing that they'll get in this bundle, which I know we didn't cover today, but um, I've created a a card deck which goes along with these seven principles. And Ah. in the spirit of in the spirit of like asking ourselves and each other better questions, there's seven questions within each principle, so 49 questions total. And I'm sure you guys have probably seen question decks before, right?
2: Not for a long time, okay, like I, okay. I think the last time I did one was actually when I was in a new hire at one of my like first companies I was at okay, okay, cool so've so, done it in a, or seen them in a while
1: but. yeah, yeah, so um, yeah, so it's basically a question deck and and the invitation there is to allow people to again be asking ourselves more mindful questions around these seven principles that are so important, so anyway, all that to say it's it 's a physical product which they, which they can 't download, obviously. But what they can get is an access to a tip sheet, which has 10 activities about how to use the DAC. And there's a link to a virtual version of the DAC. And I'll be sharing that out on on all the social medias in the coming weeks. So people can look forward to that as well. So anyway, that's a whole lot of stuff that people can get for free right now.
2: Yeah. And we'll make sure that when we promote and post your episode, that we'll make sure that we get all this information in writing from you as well. Because I think that, I mean, just me sitting here, I wrote down a bunch of stuff. I think what you're talking about and how you go about it really is gonna hit home and my guess is we're gonna have a need to bring you back at some point. That'd be um, great.
1: I'd love to connect. With I you. thought it
2: was a really good conversation. I, I think it's great what you're doing and I really appreciate you sharing some of your advice today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much.
0: Yes, absolutely. Definitely. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, we couldn't pick a better time to talk about managing change. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, yeah. so thank you. Thank you very thank you. much for coming on. And for everyone listening, you can uh, find us on Instagram at Entry Level Podcast. So feel free to find us there and follow us and leave a review on iTunes for us. So thanks everyone for listening.
2: And thank you again Michael, and thank you guys very much. Leave a comment or anything you'd like to talk about. Let us know. Thanks. (laughs)